is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, October 3rd. Let's go. 2019, season 15, episode number 57. Welcome Let's to another go. edition of The Break. We are live on the S- from the SWBC Mortgage What Studios. is going on? Yeah. The star. Well, I like it. very rare. Feisty. Let's Eatman. go. Yeah. I got stuff to say. <laughs> oh, you're wow. Nick. Yeah. This is. thing is, Derek didn't even know. He was like, it's episode 56 yeah, no or whatever it is. What? You whatever. How are we doing, guys? Well, we got a lot to do, though. Doing we got a lot to talk about. There are lots of... Injury issues for this team, and we kind of, I guess, let's go ahead and dump, jump right into those. Uh, several guys did not practice yesterday: Lyle Collins, Tyrone Crawford, Tyron Smith, and then a couple limited guys that that just I, I want to get some updates on. Amari Cooper obviously has an ankle injury. Uh, Michael Gallup with the knee. Chris Jones with a back. Demarcus Lawrence with a knee, shoulder, and from what we heard this morning, additionally a heel bruise. Uh, Zach Martin with a back. Antoine Woods with a knee. I guess let's start first with with just overall talking about Demarcus Lawrence because it, it it was the first I'd heard of this hill bruise, but it sounds like from Garrett that's the biggest issue uh, that he's facing right now. There's a lot of like when you're dealing with minor stuff that might not keep you out of the lineup. There's always like conflicting information. Basically, I don't know if Jason Garrett does that on purpose or if he sort of gets his details mixed up, but. Uh, he hurt his shoulder in the game, and then there was a you know he there was a play where he kind of collapsed in and made a tackle on the ground, and you could tell it kind of messed his lower body up, and so people were saying knee, and then heel, and so it's honestly it's probably all of those he's things. He's playing, but he's playing. Yes, uh, but to just jump to the jump to the lead of the day is that. Um, Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith are the only players on the team who were not at practice today. Lawrence is there. Gallup's there. Cooper's there. Antoine Woods is there. Tyrone Crawford is That's there. That's a huge one right there. Tyrone Crawford. Yeah. They're, so, they're all out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on them, but there are only two players on the roster who didn't practice today. And of those two, it sounds like, again, from some of the things that we've been hearing, Lyle Collins, this, is, this may be a situation where they're yeah. holding him out, but he may be pretty from, good to go from right? what we saw today i think that it suggests that he will be back because connor williams was practicing at right tackle yesterday today he's back at guard brandon knight their rookie mm. is at right tackle and i think that that suggests that connor needs to practice at left guard if he's going to play it brandon knight can do it for for this day and maybe trying to figure out if brandon knight's a guy that does it well enough that might be active for this right. game but um I would think if if Lyell, if they were really worried about it, they would continue to work Connor Williams at right tackle. Unless he was terrible at it yesterday, and Brandon Knight's the guy, but I don't know. I I think think we're going to see 71 tomorrow. I think He doesn't miss a lot. I mean, a lot of work. As banged up as he was a couple years ago, he never missed a snap. He's a tough guy. He'll be out there. I think he's going to be there tomorrow. I think they're trying to give him as much time to rest his back as possible. But I think he'll be there Think I definitely think Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence aren't a hundred percent, but guess what? Nobody is by week five. So 
It is what it is. I hate seeing all these back injuries, and that is something that these offensive linemen have to deal with it. But when you start looking at it and talking about it on week five of the season, it's 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 frustrating. Well, to me, it's alarming in a way. They all need it. Hey, they got nice some sponsor placement. on there to get some beds to it's help out. The but punter's got a back injury, right? Yeah. I don't He's know what's going on. Chris Jones was at practice. But it, 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 it concerns me. I've always been very big on back injuries. I my I suffer from a back, so I know what that's like. And when you look at these guys and the type of things that they have to do on the field at their position, that's an area that really gets a lot of tension while playing so the fact that we were talking about it this early this this season and that's what three guys I guess well Tyron is not a back injury but Tyron's, you know that yeah. he has dealt with the back he's which the is OG incredible. back guy and yeah. he's the one that doesn't have a back injury right yeah, now it's insane and it's it sucks it's not great back injuries suck uh but it is what it is and they're probably all going to be dealing with it all season long um you just grin and fight through it the best that you can. I, I mean, we've seen this for several years at this point, and it never seems like it drastically alters the level of play. Like, if Lyle's back hurts this week, then it's probably hurt at other times since the season started as well, and you just do the best you can to get through it, and they usually do. Talk to me about um, Michael Gallup, who returned to practice yesterday. What are we hearing about how he how his body responded to a day of work? Back out there again today, so that that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Don't foresee any issues there. I think he's he's ready to go. He's ready. Brian to was already giving him the green light for Sunday. Brian, yeah, he gets to do that. <laughs> Apparently, he's if calling. He's, he's, like, I mean, he's playing on Sunday. If he's out there, then he's probably got the green light. The thing, and he said it yesterday is like the doctors told him like you can't. You can't do any damage to the knee. Like, you can't hurt yourself. It's just a matter of, like, how much can you fight through the pain? Because, I mean, obviously he's still in pain. It's still – he's still two weeks off surgery. So I think that's just a mental thing, which, again, for the 18th time, like, it it sounds crazy to think that he's going to fight through the pain of just having undergone surgery. But if he can do it, he can do it. I would guess – I wonder how his game changes, though, because, you know, when you're injured and – and it's very fresh. You're hesitant in your moves. And sometimes you notice that from guys when they're moving around on the field. I would guess he's not going to look quite as explosive right off the bat. Like, I'm, I just maybe he will, but I would guess not. And on top of that, he's probably going to need to, like, catch a pass and get hit and get up again before he feels, like, completely confident. That's just human nature. Maybe they do it today. Just tackle him. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you don't, don't like do that. that idea? No. Hey, if you happen to see him around the building, why don't you do it? If you're gonna if you're gonna right. do something that might hurt him, wait until it counts. Don't do it in practice. That would actually be pretty funny if Nick just runs up to him and tackles him in I the would pay So does, good money. does Danny does Probably. Danny replace right me on the show or what like who moves into the I don't office? know. Somebody would be replacing you because oh, yeah. I don't think you'd be here anymore. Yeah. And yeah. even though the fact that it'd be documented on tape that my supervisor said to do that, that wouldn't maybe that means we both wouldn't be here. Cool. <laughs> maybe we're both cool. start our own twenty years is enough. Yeah. The days of an AG era begins. <laughs> right. All right. We're gonna take our first break. When we come back, we're gonna get into Dave's assessment of this Green Bay defense. Today we talk about the defense versus the Cowboys offense, where there might be opportunities for the Cowboys, some of the players uh that play on that Green Bay defense and some stats that might surprise you a little bit about how that defense stacks up. We'll do all that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. 
Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store and learn how to buy one smartphone and get a second one on us. Based on GWS1 score September 2018. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys and with us you'll travel like a pro visit cowboystravel.com to book your travel package today work the Cowboys way and channel the winning business tradition of the Dallas Cowboys and the Jones family at Formation this dynamic workspace provides an elevated work experience on the Stars' aspirational campus with exclusive membership options available to meet varying needs. Choose from open workspaces, dedicated desks, and private offices to leverage our home field advantage for your individual business success. Limited memberships are available now, so apply today at formationatthestar.com. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at Stetson.com today. Back to the break. Welcome back to the break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star, talking Cowboys football, talking Cowboys versus Packers. That's happening this Sunday, 3.35 is the kick time here at AT&T Stadium. Dave's going to give us a uh, scouting report on this Green Bay defense. Dave. The GBP. Did you see the stat from Bobby Belt today? I did. Today? I did. Since 2013, the Cowboys are 15-4 and four at AT&T when they score 31, and three of the four losses are to Green Bay. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. In other words, hate playing these guys. Shootouts are probably not in the cards as your best chance to win. Hate, right? hate playing them. But I came away pretty encouraged by what I saw against the GBPD. It's the Green Bay Packer defense, if you're not up on the hip lingo like me. We got that. Uh, 10th in total defense, third in passing defense, 188 yards per game. Why might that be? Because they're 26th in the league in rushing defense, giving up an average of 142 yards per game. They have eight takeaways on the season. A lot of talent here that... Depending on what you're looking at, I mean, it's kind of like they're good and not good all at the same time, kind of. They signed two really, really good pass rushers over the offseason, the Smith brothers, Preston and Zadarius Smith. They're not actually brothers. Um, Really good players. They've combined for eight sacks already this season. Jair Alexander, one of the best young corners in the game. Um, Definitely in that upper echelon. Kevin King. Finally coming into his own after an injury-plagued career, except, uh uh-oh, he didn't participate in practice (laughs) yesterday. Had a really good game against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles the other night. Um, He's the the guy that I always think they should have drafted over Taco. That's who I wanted them to draft over Taco. Not Watt. Because that one, 
to me, that one kind of came in late, like after he had done well. It was more like they could have gotten him. Mm, depends on who you th- The Cowboys were not interested in Watt, but there were a bunch of draft people who thought they should draft Watt. At the time? At the time. Yes, absolutely. But like that picture. Someone on the draft steam. show, right? There were weren't there a couple people in the draft show? Brian, that kind of Brian and Dane were both kind of like, this is who they should draft, but they don't want a tweener. Right. And that is way draft go. It happens. It happens. A rare miss. We're moving on. That's not the point. <laughs> That's not the point. Uh, King was in the in the consideration yeah. too. King King was who I liked, and he's been good when he's been healthy. He but went it, in the second round. He's like the first pick of the second round. Okay. He has not been healthy often enough to. I mean, he's the thirty third overall pick. His career hasn't been that great. Uh, two really good safeties: Darnell Savage, rookie, playing really well as their free roaming kind of guy, and then they took Adrian Amos out of Chicago as their strong. Really impressed by what I saw from him. Kenny Clark is, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber nose tackle, and you have Dean Lowry and Montrevious Adams. I think Adams is a big get back for them. Uh, he played the first two weeks. He missed week three and missed four, week four, but he did practice yesterday. So that's something to watch. Um, but yeah, like I just listed off like this murderer's row of talent, and yet, I don't know, they don't look. They don't look so impressive to me when you flip it on, at least not in in parts. Like, again, really good cornerback play. Nobody's really passing the ball well on them. But how much of that is because how easy it is to run on them? We talked about this yesterday, and I actually looked it up. Uh, they had a really good night defending the run against the Bears. They held them to 47 yards on 22 carries. Here's their rushing totals for the rest of the season. Vikings carried the ball 27 times for 198. Broncos carried the ball 38 times for 149. Eagles carried the ball 33 times for 176. Mm. And when you flip this stuff on, I watched the Eagles game and I watched some Vikings snaps. Um, they get moved off the ball off and and like the Vikings do not have a good offensive line. Like Eagles, way to go! They're great offensive line. You should win that battle. The Vikings, not so much, and they were still able to move these guys off the ball, get linebackers moving in the wrong direction, create big holes. And then the other thing you see is when the like the running back hits the hole and that's troublesome, but then when the linebackers and the defensive linemen make contact, you're seeing Jordan Howard getting four or five extra yards after that. Like not very impressive tackling uh, and not very good movement up front to not give the running back anywhere to go. So like that jumps out at you. Um and then on top of that, let's just stick it, keep it in the middle of the field because it seems like tight ends are a great way to go to try to get production against these guys. Because, again, hobbled Michael Gallup, hobbled Amari Cooper, one of the best young corners in the game. I wonder how much outside passing yardage will be there for him. So, like, I'm looking at tight ends, Jason Witten, Blake Jarwin. We saw it last week. It was the only thing they did have success with. And then maybe crossing routes. Randall Cobb trying to move him across the middle of the field. Maybe lose somebody in the trash. It just doesn't seem like they're as strong in the middle of the field as on the outside. That's kind of my my broad take. So let me ask you this. On Kevin King, did you, did you from what you saw, and obviously he's he did not participate in practice yesterday, right. do you think that changes a lot from the standpoint of, of how good their past defense has been? You take somebody that, again, played really, really well against Philadelphia, you take him out of the mix – how does that depth look behind him to where does that create more opportunities in passing game than maybe they've shown in these first uh, first three or four games? 
So if King can't go, it would probably be Tremont Williams, who like veteran you, guy. You know that name. He's yeah. like I feel like he's been in the league for like twenty years. I yeah. think he. You could go both ways. Is like maybe easier to beat him, but he's also like a wily veteran. He's probably got some tricks up his sleeve. What's interesting to me is they also drafted Josh Jackson out of Iowa a couple years ago. Same draft as King, I believe. Oh, sorry. Led the led college football in interceptions, like great ball skills. Like he just doesn't appear to be the guy. He might be playing nickel in this game because of the injuries they have at cornerback. Uh, they got another injury. Tony Brown is probably not going to play in this game. And like I listened to some Packer podcasts to kind of get a feel for their team, and they're like terrified at the thought of this guy playing nickel. So, which is a bummer for them because he was like a high second round pick. So yeah, I I do think there are. There, you can exploit this matchup because they're so banged up at cornerback. If Alexander's the only one of their top guys that's playing, that's good. But at the same time, your receivers are kind of hobbled too. Like Cooper's probably not at 100%. Gallup definitely isn't. So I wonder if that kind of mitigates the advantage that you have in that matchup. This is a question for everybody. Um, looking at this matchup and, and what Dave was talking about with their, uh, their run defense, it seems like this would be a week that maybe the Cowboys' offensive line can get back to what it was doing in, in those earlier games. If they can't, then I'm concerned, Yeah, even but, with all the injuries. That, and that's my question is, do you think that with the injuries that the Cowboys have sustained, Tyron Smith being the most important one, but like you said, there are a lot of guys that are hobbled, whether they're playing or not. Do you think that this becomes – a challenge even against the run defense that seems susceptible do you think that's still a big challenge for this Cowboys offensive yeah. line yeah definitely I think that the Packers are you know catching a break that that their run defense which is not that great uh is going to get a player back like like Dave said and then also facing a, an offensive line that won't be as good as it normally is because Tyron Smith won't be there and and Lyle Collins won't be 100 percent and I don't know if Zach Martin will be as well so yeah they're, they're that is going to be more of a challenge than it would be. I don't know if it'll be even, but I think even it'll... even when they were healthy in the last game, they weren't performing well. So now add the injuries on top of their performance from last week, and it makes it even worse. Not playing a, as good of a line though this week, but yeah. still, yeah, they're not as good as they were heading into that game. I just like I said, it would be troubling if they struggled that much again. Given again, these are. I mean, I listed it off. These aren't all great teams that were just bullying these guys. It's been a, with the exception of week one, it's been a theme three weeks running. Yeah. And if I they, said, sorry, go ahead. If they didn't have week one where the Bears rushed for 45 yards, they would definitely be dead last. I mean, the last three weeks have been terrible for them, but yeah. they do have that 45 yard game that they stopped the Bears. Nobody was playing offense in that game. And so that, I think that's preventing them from being even worse. Absolutely. Uh, a couple other things I want to note. Uh, the two Smiths, they flop. So, you know, it's it's not as simple as saying, oh, Cam Fleming's going to have his handful with Preston Smith. He'll probably see both of them, if I had to guess. Um, Alexander, he they do like to travel him. They put him on Ertz. I mean, like, they'll put him wherever. Not for every snap, but, like, they'll put him wherever. He's really good. He leads the NFL in pass deflections. I saw that. He was six. I mean... That didn't seem like that would be leading the NFL, but I guess after four games. Yeah, that's a pretty decent amount. Yeah. This is something I noticed just watching the Eagles game. It doesn't pertain to the Packers defense so much, but I just like saw it with the Saints, and then we saw it again with the I saw it with the Eagles. Is like, how come the Cowboys aren't more creative with the way they call the screen game? 
<laughs> Seriously. No, I get it, but like, I, there are a bunch of people out there, I think, listening right now saying, oh, duh, like, that's what people have been asking for years. I guess so. Why like, they're not? I don't, like, I, yeah, I'm not some sort of genius, but it just sort of dawned on me. Like, last <laughs> night they ran a play where um, Jordan Howard, like, he did a fake fly sweep from the slot, mm-hmm. sprinted across, play action to Wentz. Wentz, I think he faked it to the other running back. And Howard sprinted out to the left, and the line came with him, and it turned from a fake fly sweep into a bubble screen to the running back. And I was like, "That that's really cool. And it, it only got like eight yards, but I was like, all the Cowboys ever do is play action fake to Zeke. He sort of trots out to his right. Dak does a loop de loop and throws it to him. Okay, like that's they it's all it only ever looks that way. There's more than one way to call a screen. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the play that the Cowboys ran, they ran it uh, in the I think the Miami game, and then they tried to run it again last week, where they have both Zeke and Pollard in the backfield. Pollard takes off sprinting um across the, the, the offense over to the opposite side, and then Dak drops the ball to him. They didn't he didn't throw it to him this last time because a defender picked it up. But they did use it, in the, in, I think, in the previous game, and it was the first time we'd seen the two of them on the field together. I want to say that was a screen. I want to say the offensive lineman got out there and, and got in front of him for to block heading out of the field. I think, and it sounds like, the reason why I say that is because it sounds exactly the way you described that play. Sound very similar to what they ran when they had both those guys in the backfield. It just didn't work this last game. I feel like from watching the Cowboys game and then watching the Saints game against Seattle, they came up with like eight different ways to get Kamara the ball on the same concept. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like the Cowboys do that. And that's the reason I bring it up is because I think that would help them. Green Bay doesn't handle blocking well. They're bad against the run. And their pass rushers are probably going to be aggressive against a team with hobbled tackles. So how do you combat that? You know, like I would hope that way. It seems useful, whether it's with Zeke or Pollard or both. Uh, I would like to see that. Uh, I would like to think they can lean on the run game. I would like to think you can find some stuff in the middle of the field. And Blake Martinez, I think um, he leads the league in tackles like the last two years. But I don't, I don't know. I don't see anything from him that you know is like Keekly esque or like Leighton Vander Esch, where he's just snuffing stuff out. I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's on that level where he's like blowing stuff up before it develops. At least not from what I saw. Um, so yeah, I am. I'm really impressed with Adrian Amos. That that was one thing I came away with. Like he plays down in the box. I think if the Cowboys are going to run the ball, that's something they're going to have to watch. I would guess he's going to spend a lot of time down there. Uh, and if Dak wants to run the ball, he's probably going to have to deal with him too. He made a really great play on Carson Wentz in that game where he stopped him. And Carson Wentz is a good running. I mean, he can run the ball, and he made a great open field play on him. So they definitely have talented players, but it hasn't come together for them perfectly of course i say that they're top 10 in scoring defense so they have some guys all right talk me through a little bit of what your thoughts are on cam fleming uh going back to when he's played for this team um and and just overall in his career what what can fans expect to see from him at at left tackle this weekend assuming tyron's not playing well i wrote an article on that yesterday and uh he wins well, maybe it helps that Tom Brady's the guy that he was blocking for, and they're going to win with you know Dave playing left tackle, maybe. But uh, he's nineteen and four in his twenty-three games as a starter. So, and that's you know that's not bad. Three and zero with the Cowboys last year, and so 
Yeah, it's a drop-off, but the Cowboys have managed in all three games that they've played with him. And, you know, New England managed as well when he was—and one year he was the starter. I mean, it wasn't like he, they were just filling in. He was the starter. So um, he's going to battle, and he's, you know, he's not just going to just lock people down like Tyron does, but he'll battle, and he'll, he'll you know, he's, he's good. He, he, there's a reason why they brought him back. I actually took it upon myself to watch. I didn't watch the Giants game, but I watched the offensive snaps from the Washington and New Orleans games last year, which is when he started for Tyron. And he played pretty well. Actually, No, I don't think anybody's brought this up except for me because I'm a genius. Um, he played against Preston Smith last year. He, he played against Preston Smith was with the Redskins last year, and Cam Fleming started against him in November of last year and played pretty well. Uh, they gave up four sacks in that game. One of them was on Cam, but like for the most part, he handled Preston Smith very well. It was really Kerrigan that did most of the damage in that game. And then against the Saints, I don't remember this. Dak actually got stacked seven times in that game. And in the Saints game? Mm-hmm. Wow. None of them were Cam's fault. Not, I mean, not that I saw. I thought he played really well. He he dealt with Cam Jordan on occasion. He dealt with their other guy whose name I'm drawing a blank on. But he played pretty well. Like I like. He's not going to sabotage your game plan the way that some other offensive tackles have in the past who yeah. will remain nameless. For good reason. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jobless, right? Jobless, too. Is he yeah. jobless? Probably. Pretty sure. Honestly, I'm not concerned about him. If you care about my opinion, I will tell you. I'm not concerned about Cameron Fleming and what he's going to do in this game. I'm concerned about the Cowboys keeping the game clean and not getting any holding penalties or things like that, that it clearly has affected them in previous games. Now, this might not be a comfortable, super comfortable game for Dak, like he's had in the first games. He's had, you know, the line mm -hmm. has has done a pretty good job for him, giving him plenty of time to get rid of the ball. I don't think that will be the case this week. But Wait, you think, you think there'll be more of a pass rush I, th I think they're going to somehow be able to rush him a little bit, just not allow him to be as comfortable. I don't think he'll be initiated to the point where, okay, they're going to lose the game because Dak was pressured throughout the whole game. But it's not going to be a comfortable game for him where he's just sitting in the pocket, finding his guys, and throwing the ball. He's going to sometimes have to kind of get out of the pocket and throw the ball on the move. But at the end of the day, I don't think it'll be something that's going to ruin his game completely. You know? I completely agree with you. And that's, you know, always talk about grading on a curve. Like, a good game from Cam Fleming is if he gives up, like, a sack and a half. You know, like, these are good players he's going against. I don't expect him to shut them out. I would imagine Dak's going to get sacked a couple times in this game. But Is this I a better pass rushing team than last week? Um, or is this just about the fact that you have an offensive line that's without its best, well, one of its best offensive linemen? I think it's a mixture of both. I would argue, like, the tandem of the two Smiths is probably better from a pass rushing perspective of just Cam Jordan. You know, I mean, am I complete? Like, the Saints don't have that complimentary pass rusher that just gives you nightmares, although Marcus Davenport actually did give Tyron Smith fits in that game, but... And, and I guess for the, from that standpoint, compare it also to Washington. Washington has a pretty good 
pass rush, and it seemed like they kind of got after it a little bit early, but Cowboys kind of shut them down there as yeah. the game wore on. I guess the only thing I'm, I'm wondering is it doesn't seem like to me, as much as the, the offensive line struggled last week, it seems like to me their issues when they've had issues have been way more in the running game than the passing game. It seems like to me oh, yeah, they've held no. up pretty well yeah. for, in all four games. He's been sacked against, how many times? Four? Well, yeah, like a Gallup is a huge for this game. Yeah. Gallup's got to come back and get open because you know that they're going to have to give more help to Fleming and maybe, you know, Lyell if he's banged up too. And they're going to have to maybe keep some tight ends, running backs. They're going to have to do that more. These receivers have got to get open one-on-one. So, I hope, like, I would like to see some screen passing. I think, I just think it would go a long way. Yeah. Uh, and we know that they can be really good at it. I mean, they they do it all the time. They scored against the Saints on a screen last year. That's yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I saw a fan on on Twitter talking about that yesterday, saying, "What's the good of having uh, an offensive line that's so athletic if you're not going to use them?" And that's one way that you use them. You want to get them out in mm-hmm. space and let them make some of those open field blocks. That's the point of having an athletic line. So yeah, I think I think it's I think everybody problems. probably agrees with your yeah. with your thought. No, I, it's just I, one of those things of. For some reason, they have just not ever. It doesn't seem like since Emmett Smith, they've really developed a good screen game. It's, you know? Yeah, and it's. Ob- I know it's obvious. Like I'm not saying anything nobody's ever heard before. But like you watch some of these other teams, and you're like, there's so many ways to get your running back the ball. Yeah, and the Cowboys don't do it. Yeah. Yep. All right, we're gonna take our final break. We'll come back. Let's get some questions. You guys can call us eight 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 five five two two nine seven. Again, it is eight 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 five five. 2297. You can also hit me on Twitter at Derek Eagleton. We'll take your questions that way as well. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store and learn how to buy one smartphone and get a second one on us. Based on GWS1 score September 2018. It's time for tailgate with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox? The makers of those crazy protective phone cases? The one and only. They're also wild about protecting parking lot parties from sad drinks. It's why they made Elevation Tumblers. Rumor around the crockpot is they're made from stainless steel with a copper lining to keep temps hot or cold. True. They even come in seven different sizes up to 64 ounce. The Growler. Mm. I like how Otterbox drinks. I mean, thanks. And that's been tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation tumblers at otterbox.com. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at stetson.com today. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. 
to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nick, do you have a... Oh, yeah. Free to play. <laughs> I mean, free <laughs> to play. You have to check it out. Everybody, please get signed up. Update your app. Make sure that your app is updated because you really can take advantage of the free-to-playness that's going on here. $10,000 is the grand prize. You have to be 21 or older. I bet you are, because if you're not, you'd probably be in school right now. But download you don't the think app. kids listen to our show while they're in school? If they do, congratulations. I mean, they probably have cool ways to do that. Download the app for access on game days at dallascowboys.com slash app. And you'll be playing free-to-play. And you can play against all of us, because we're all, we're all going be to be there. Week. We will all be playing. All right. I have a feeling that you will beat me. <laughs> Okay, never Free mind. to play. All right, free to play. Check it out. Um, okay, so let's get to a phone call. We got a call from Eli in Corpus Christi. Eli, what up? Is that where he is? Hey, guys. How are y'all doing, ladies and oh. lady and gentlemen? What's up, uh, man? Hello. Uh, what I wanted to bring up is something that I'm surprised that hasn't been brought up this year. It's been brought up before in the past, but not this year. It's the fact that we're not getting turnovers. The reason is... The, the way we run our defense, I go back and look at every game, and it's like we're teaching our players not to attack the ball, but more to let the receiver catch it, and then everybody rally to the ball. And it seems to be like that for the past few years, and we keep getting told that, don't worry, turnovers will come in bunches. Well, I've been waiting for years for those bunches to come. I mean, I'm no one of the worst, you know, but we're definitely not even in the middle or the best, you know, and I don't expect to be, but... I didn't like – I don't like also the fact that it seems like we're the only team that we're like first and 20. The the opposing team is on first and 20. And on second down, now it's second and 13. And now on third down, it's third and four. And I'm like, why don't we ever get a third and 20? And the reason is because we're letting the receivers catch the ball and then rallying to the ball. And that works perfectly. And it's been working perfectly because we've been great on third down. But it doesn't work if Dak's not on. And that was pretty evident this last game. It felt like he was waiting for Cooper to break. And then once he was already out of his break, then he was throwing the ball, which would give Gilmore enough time to attack him from behind. Because it seemed like that was every time. But that's all I want to say, guys. Uh, also, Cooper's dropping way too many balls. Uh, but I love you guys. Love this show. Uh, like to you what you think about that first and 20, second and 13, yeah. third and four. And it seems to happen Every single game. All right. Thanks for the call. Well, I mean, what happens on third and four? He kind of – I agreed with almost everything he said, but he kind of switched it up. Like the first 75% of that call was about the defense, right? Or did I totally miss that? He's just throwing in everything I think, on Well, what I understood was he, he started talking about the defense and them not getting enough turnovers. And but then that it doesn't went work when Dak doesn't play – and move the offense and benefit from what the defense oh, is doing. Okay. But right. they got an interception last week. Anyway, I mean, they but did I think, get that. I think, yeah, I think the, the point of his call was he thinks the issue is the way the techniques that they're using. Essentially, he thinks they're not attacking the ball enough as defensive backs. They are in situations yeah. where they just they're he, he again his his argument is that they're they're allowing the receivers to catch the ball, then they rally to make the tackle okay. rather than attacking the ball. Okay. That's his argument. No, yeah, Here's I, a scenario. yeah, I got that part. Here's a scenario then for him. Yeah. First and twenty because it's a holding penalty. Okay, first and twenty, and it's a five yard pass out in the flat, and Cheeto just goes over the top and bats it down, but he is called for PI. So 
instead of being second and 14, it's now automatic first down and all that. So I think that's what you're supposed to do is it's a bend but don't break philosophy. I mean, why would you want to get a face mask penalty and just wipe out the fact that it was first and 20? I think they're getting off the field as good as anybody in the league. So you can talk about first down, second down, but then third and four, they're not getting it. I think it works. The only way you're going to lose games is if you give up really big plays. That's not the only way you lose. But if you give up big plays, it's a, you're going to lose a lot faster than you would if you don't get turnover. Rod Marinelli, it's pretty evident he views it as a war of attrition. Like, you've got to go 75 yards, and if you play your technique, play sound, rally the ball, and tackle, even if you are letting guys pass. And, like, I think it's, it's a valid point. Like, that is that is how they play it. But... If you make them cover every blade of grass on that 75 yards and make them need 8 to 15 plays to do it, you're giving yourself more opportunities to capitalize on their mistakes, whether that's their protection slips and you get a sack or there's a bobble ball that you intercept like they did the other night um, or had multiple opportunities at and didn't do in Washington. You're giving yourself more opportunities to capitalize on their mistakes. The flip side of that is that you have to do it, and they haven't at times this season. Honestly, New Orleans is the first time they did do it. And then the other thing is, and I think it's valid, is I don't know how many genuine playmakers with genuine ball skills they have on the back end. Byron Jones has proven he can cover as well as anybody in the league. He doesn't have ball skills. He just doesn't. He's got like three interceptions in his career. Uh, Cheeto seems to struggle with playing the ball. I think his coverage is good more often than not, but in terms of playing the ball, you'd like to see better. Um, Jeff Heath is what he is, which he's got a knack for being around the ball. I think the play in Washington kind of illustrates that maybe he doesn't have the elite type of instincts you would want from a safety who's going to get six or seven picks a year. But it is what it is. Maybe Xavier Woods can grow into that guy. But I don't have a ton of problem with them playing that way because it's like to Nick's point, it's worked so well. Like I, I get that it's frustrating, but I'd rather they do that than be giving up chunk plays because they're being so aggressive. Yeah, and if you look around the league, I think that's a common thing around the league. Watching how defensive backs play, particularly cornerbacks, a lot of teams you see the technique they're taught is keep their eye keep close to the defender. When the ball's there, they read the cornerback, they read the receiver's eyes. When the ball gets there, then put their hand between the receiver's two hands and the ball and try to rip it out. Like that's how teams are making plays these days. And that's not necessarily attacking the ball from the standpoint of getting the interception. The really good cornerbacks, you'll see them get those interceptions. But by and large, cornerbacks, I think, are being taught around the league that same technique of get in between and, and rip the ball out. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and look. They haven't had a safety with those types of instincts in forever. Everybody knows that. We can <laughs> Amber. You know, we could have. <laughs> he could have taught some of these guys some things. But you know? you know, I mean, and you know, maybe like I said, maybe Xavier Woods can become that guy, or maybe they'll draft one high next year or some year. But for the time being, you're working with what you got. All right, let's take this question from Twitter from Tim Rafferty. He says, "Is 82 impeding the development of 89?" Talking about Jason Witten and uh, and Blake Jarwin. Hmm. Not really. No, I don't think I don't so. Think so. Can eighty nine block? I, mean, I don't know. You tell me. I don't. I mean, I I don't think he's ready to just be that guy. Um, but it is is that because he's not been given enough opportunity? I guess that's what the question kind of he's getting had to. opportunities to block. I mean, like is he is he? I don't think. Um, but I mean, listen. 
Jason Witten is one of my favorite players of all time. Everyone knows that, and and that's and, and it's because he's been a really great complete player. But what has Jason Witten done in four games that would say that he's impeding anybody? I mean, he's done more. He's made more plays than anyone probably would have thought. Mm-hmm. And it's not just with the four yard touchdowns. I mean, he's making plays down the field. Okay, he fumbled. It won't happen again until 2023 because that's what it says. He won't. I mean, he, when I mean, he'll still be playing. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and still impeding the progress of, of his son, who's of probably going right. to be, you know, right there. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I, Jason Witten has been a pleasant surprise for me this year. I didn't expect him to be making plays like that. When he caught that ball, I was like, God, this guy, old. and then he fumbled. And I couldn't even get a sentence yeah. out because the guy made a great play. I, I don't think he's impeding anybody, well, really. And I think Jarwin's good, too. But I'm surprised that the amount of times that we've actually seen Jarwin on the field. Honestly, mm-hmm. with Jason coming back, I didn't That's, expect I, Jarwin to be as much on the field. Took the words right out of my mouth. Good like, point. I'm the one, I was saying, like, Witten's going to play 95% of the snaps, and his percentage is definitely high, but I mean, what? what? I'm looking at Jarwin. Jarwin's at eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown right now. Like, if you told me he had that through four weeks, I would be very impressed. That sounds like a season. Yeah, I mean, what seriously. Him, yeah. 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 And he's so, getting, is he, even Dak. He's on pace for 500 receiving yards. Yeah. Jarwin. So, yeah. And he's taking Witten's plays. I mean, I mean, like that seam right down the. Witten I, can't do that anymore. Well, I was about to say I don't know on. about I don't know if I'd say that. I think he can still do he it. He can't do it like Jarwin. Jarwin is a more athletic tight end to go to to really attack the seam and we've seen it on a touchdown. We saw it on a near touchdown last week. That's that was Witten's play for years. It's better probably with Jarwin. But now. I do think two things can be true here. I do think that Jason can be playing well and still impeding the progress because I think honestly, if you look at the history of tight ends and on this team since Jason Witten has been here, he's impeded the progress of a lot of tight ends that left here and became decent tight ends other places, decent to good tight ends other places. So my point is, That's it good, doesn't, though, right? it is good. That's good. It, that, that means that he is good enough to hold them off and they can go somewhere else, but they're not good enough to take him off the field. Right, and they didn't, so, they didn't go anywhere else and become Zach Ertz. So exactly. they went and became Martellus Bennett. Right, one Pro Bowl. So, so you may not be getting you may not be getting the growth at the same trajectory for a guy like Blake Jarwin that maybe you would hope to get if Jason wasn't here taking those reps that he takes. But the good thing in all that is that Jason's actually producing. So, because he's producing, there's no need to take him off the field in order to get those extra snaps for Jarwin. I think they're doing a very good job of balancing that. I agree. I I have no complaints. Jarwin's been good. Witten has been surprisingly good. They're both on the field. I wish I wish I had time to pull it up. Like Jarwin's snap count has got to be at least in the 20s or 30s. I would guess. Which is pretty good for your backup. Like I'm, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not mad about that Especially on a team where they're not doing a, as t- as much at twelve personnel as they were doing last year, where you would have been like he was on the field maybe a lot more this year. Doing a lot more eleven, and so, they're not doing any thirteen. Which some eh, very little, nowhere but near very little. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. little, very Keep little. I've seen that a lot. Go away. Well, and you know what did we say we wanted Witten and Frederick to help with, and that was the red zone, and they've done pretty well in the red zone this year. I mean, I think this last game. Would they go one of two? I don't remember when the field goal was for for Mar. Was it they were in the red zone? Yeah. Barely. So I, they went one of two. One of I two. Think. 
I oh. mean, they're they're best in the league in the red zone, I believe. Or they? They're certainly up there. And I Whit- need more time. I, I'm not That's convinced on what's going on here with the red zone if all the issues are fixed. There. Oh. Because we haven't been. You're entitled to that. <laughs> like, they they threw up a total stinker. Like, you're yeah. allowed to have some reservations after but, that. But Witten is a part of that. He right. scored two touchdowns. And Frederick, I think, is tra- a part of yeah, that, too. Travis. So that's kind of what we wanted to see. And has Jarwin done anything against anyone other than the Giants? Yeah, the Saints. He set up that touchdown. Yeah, yeah it was a nice catch. But I'm, I'm saying, I mean, he's got four touchdowns. They're all against the Giants. I mean, he, I, if we need more of a sample size for the red zone, I need more of a sample size that, you know, he, his progress is being, you know, impeded here by, by Witten. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. We are back tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, actually, our time's going to change a little bit tomorrow. We will be oh. starting at noon. Actually, for the next three Fridays, we will be starting at noon. Um, so okay. make sure you check us out then. Till then for Nick Eatman, <laughs> So Dave who's Hellman. doing locker room tomorrow? We'll be out. All right. We'll figure, we'll figure it out. We're good. We'll figure it out. All right. For Dave Hellman, <laughs> Nick Eatman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!